Well, good morning. Happy Mother's Day. What a special day just to celebrate. Um, hopefully you're getting some family time today. Um, we certainly miss you on campus and would love to have you come back to one of our services um, in the future weeks. Uh, just a reminder, those are at 8, at 9 o'clock and 1045. Um, and we've got kids ministry happening at the 9 and the 1045 service. Come on back down to ABC. Um, hope you're having a great weekend. Today is a special message. And uh, we get to this passage in Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus is talking about light and salt and city on a hill. It's a famous passage. And as I was reading and processing through it, um, I realized there's a lot of sort of parenting and um, more specifically motherhood kind of principles here. And um, I'm married to a mother and I, I have a mother, um, but I'm not a mother. Um, newsflash, you probably knew that already. Um, but I thought I would invite um, Megan Miranda, our women's ministry director, to come share from a mother's perspective some of the principles that Jesus is pulling out here in this passage. And so in just a few minutes, uh, she's going to join me, and I'm really excited to hear what she has to share. I think you'll really, um, you'll really benefit from uh, her take on this passage. And so I want to just jump right in um, so we can kind of move forward here in the passage. Um, turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Matthew chapter 5, um, verse 13, and I want to pray for us as I read. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of uh, these three word pictures, salt, light, city on a hill. Lord, they're, um, they're so helpful in explaining to us what you want for your people to be and do. And so I ask that um, this morning you'd speak directly through your word to our hearts, God, and challenge and shape the way we think about you and the way we think about our role in our world. Um, as a result of your word. So we trust you with your word and ask that you'd speak in your name, I pray. Amen. Matthew chapter five, verse 13 says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Famous passage, uh, maybe one of the most memorable teachings that come out of the Sermon on the Mount here following the Beatitudes. Um, but just remember, Jesus has circled up this kind of ragtag group. His disciples come to the hill. If I back up into chapter four, it says, the great crowds were following him from Galilee and Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from the Jordan. There's so many people here, this massive crowd, and yet he has this smaller group of 12. And it says at the beginning of chapter five, that seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he began to teach and he started teaching things about the kingdom of God, teaching things about what true blessing is, what it means to be um, a man or a woman of character in the kingdom of God. And so he's sitting here pausing and looking to his disciples, this curious and eclectic group. Some are fishermen, some were focused on uh, the religious system in the world, and some were um, leaning into financial careers and other things. Um, and he sits and speaks almost prophetically over them, saying to them, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill. And I think he saw something in these men and women that no one else saw. I think he believed things of them that maybe they didn't even believe were true of themselves. 
And he spoke to these disciples what he saw to be true of their future, not what was necessarily true of their present. He understood that although these people may not look like light right now, they certainly were to be and to become the light of the world. Notice he doesn't start with, you have lost your saltiness. You're going to be trampled. You're a dim lit lamp. You're not shining bright. There was no rebuke here. Jesus didn't call them out for what they weren't doing. He spoke up to them. He elevated them with his speech, believing that they were more than what they maybe currently looked like. And so he speaks to his disciples in this passage with a faithful and a prophetic presence. You are the salt, you are the light, a city on a hill, seeing in others what they couldn't see in themselves. James Hunter uh, wrote this book about 10 years ago called To Change the World. And he talks about this faithful presence. And in his book, he says, what's required of Christians in our current culture is a faithful presence. It's a kind of incarnational Christianity whereby believers are actively involved in society, bearing witness to Christ by their humble, winsome, loving engagement with others in their spheres of influence. Be faithful. Be a person of character is what he's saying. That's the best thing you can do for the world. And yet there's another pastor, his name is Vermin Pierre, wrote a commentary on this book. And he said, what we need is not simply a faithful presence. It also requires words. And Pierre calls this a faithful prophetic presence. Faithful presence is consistent love, respect, kindness. But, but prophetic presence is speaking truth, speaking light into the darkness. And so positioned on a hilltop somewhere outside of Galilee, Jesus becomes a faithful, prophetic presence for his disciples, faithful in character, prophetic in speech. He talks up to them, speaking things over them that he sees them to be capable of becoming. And he's present, he's with them face to face, in person. And I realized as I was reading this and noticing Jesus's approach, realizing that he's not simply communicating good content to them, He's communicating to them in a way that preaches his content, that he is, in fact, this faithful prophetic presence and calling them to the same, that he's elevating them with his speech. I realized that this is exactly the thing that makes great moms great, this faithful prophetic presence. And Jesus presents, I think, in this passage, a great model for parenting. And I want you to hear um, some more insight on that from Megan. And so let me invite Megan up. Well, good morning, church. Hey, happy Mother's Day from one mom to another. I'd just like to say um, happy Mother's Day. We appreciate you guys being here, and I really appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity to share. So like Jeff said, uh, my name's Megan, and one of the hats I wear is here on staff at ABC as the Women's Ministry Director. But uh, two of the hats that I wear that I hold most dear to my heart our wife and mom. And so I'd like to come to you this morning um, with those hats on, uh, specifically with the hat of being a mom, and just share my heart with you, especially as it pertains to this passage in Matthew as we're working through. Um, and I also have to uh, give a shout out to my husband because it's not really just my heart sharing with you. Uh, this is his as well. I have the privilege of co-parenting with him, and so as I worked through this, he really helped me brainstorm and pray through and just see what is it that moms need to hear? What is it from this passage that um, 
is on Jesus' heart to share with moms. Uh, so my family dynamic, let me just share with you briefly. I'm married to my husband, Matt, for 18 years. We've got two kiddos. Andrew is 16 and Clara is 13. Um, and anything, any questions you might have after this that come from, from parenting, um, anything you'd like to discuss further, uh, just really love to invite you to come uh, find my husband, and I will let him... Uh, discuss and answer all of those questions for you. Like I said, we're on the same page. Um, but sharing on parenting is really, um, it's familiar to me because I share a lot with moms and women, but uh, it doesn't make it any less intimidating or really just sobering because I never want to give the impression that I have this whole thing figured out because I don't. And my kids can certainly attest to that. Um, but I think it's a special thing to get to share on. And so as I um, challenge you and encourage you and say moms and parents, please know that I include myself in that. that that's a challenge to me as well to be and become the mom that God wants for me to be, the mom that I know that he wants for you to be. Um, and also as I say moms, uh, you know, I know uh, some of you are moms, you have moms, um, you know a mom, you're maybe a mentor mom, some type of spiritual mom, I encourage you to find your space and a place in this message because there's a place for everyone in this message. Um, so this faithful prophetic presence that Jesus talks about is really seems like a tall order, I think, especially as it pertains to motherhood. Uh, so let's really break it down. We're going to kind of take it piece by piece and look at what it means to be salt to be a salty mom, what it means to be a prophetic presence, and then what it means to be a city on a hill. How can you be present in your homes? So I just like to think about the words and think, why would Jesus even use the word salt? Why be, a, why be salt to the earth? Why not be herbs? Why not be you know something else? But he specifically used the word salt, even why city on a hill? So we're gonna get there. Um, so if we look at you are the salt of the earth, this is, this is your character. This is Jesus saying, who you are matters. And who you are matters in your home. And when I think about salt, I naturally think about some of the different properties of salt. So we're going to look at four of those different properties. There's certainly many more than that, but um, we would be here all day. So let's just look at the first one that I'm sure is very familiar to all of you. And that is a salty mom seasons her home. It is um, no mystery that salt makes everything better, right? That's why potato chips and french fries taste so good, is that salt makes everything taste better. It seasons it, it flavors it, it makes it spicier. And moms, you can make your home taste better because of who you are how you live out your life, what your character looks like, makes your home taste better, and by extension, makes the world taste better. Um, it, I think of Colossians 4, 6 that says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. That's a really tall order as moms. I remember that being so challenging when I had young kids at home, even now, but especially when they were young, to have my speech always be gracious. But what a gift that is to your kids. To, to your home, to season your home with grace. Uh, you are familiar with the phrase, when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And I think that is so true, that moms, who we are in our homes, 
our character, it really seasons the rest of our home. It really sets the stage and the climate for our homes. And so I challenge you, you can help your home taste better. You can be the salt in your home. And who you are matters because you can be used to season your home with grace, with truth, with love, with so much more. Okay, so Salty Mom seasons her home. She also hydrates her home, okay? So go with me on this one. Salt doesn't just season. Think about what is attracted to salt, okay? I hope that you're all thinking in your mind or saying out loud right now, water. Salt and water like to be real close together, okay? When there's a presence of salt, water's attracted to it. Salt aids in hydration, okay? So the salty mom hydrates her home. So let's think about what if there's not enough salt? What if you're not salt in your home? That means that there's also not enough water. You're left depleted, dehydrated. So in your body, when you're dehydrated and depleted of salt, there's a condition called hyponatremia. This is what it looks like in your body. Your muscles are cramping. You have a headache. You're extremely fatigued. You are confused. Um, you can even experience seizures, brain damage, and even death. I think it's safe to say that our world is extremely hyponatremic, could use a little more salt, and also very dehydrated. Our world and some of our homes feel just exhausted, so weary, so tired, confused about, this is a pandemic in our world, confusion about who we are, about what we are, about what we're supposed to be doing. Our spiritual muscles are cramping, we're debilitated, we can't move. We're almost um, handicapped into not being able to do what we're meant to, what our bodies are meant to do. Our head hurts from the pressure of the world, pressure to be a certain way, act a certain way, conform to a certain way of life. And it could even leave us brain dead. And there's something about salt that has this life-saving effect, that it preserves and it keeps something from decaying, something from rotting. And when Jesus calls us to be the salt of the earth, mom, could it be that our faithful presence in our kid's life could be the thing that adds salt to a dying soul, that opens the floodgates for eternal water, that where there's salt, there's water? Who we are in our homes provides an opportunity for our kids to know Jesus. We get that great privilege because of who we are and our character to introduce our kids to the person of Jesus. This is what a hydrated home and a world looks like. I want you to dream with me here as I dream about this for my home. This is what a hydrated home is. We are energized. We're fully aware and awake to the spirit moving in our homes and in our world. We are still weak in our flesh, but we're so strong in Christ, relying only on his power and his strength. There is no identity confusion. We are 100% clear about who we are and whose we are and why we're here. Our muscles aren't in bondage or depleted anymore. You know what the opposite of that is? Freedom. We have freedom to move and act and love and live for him. We are sober-minded. Our heads are clear, free from the pressure of the world, 
because we don't live for the world. We live for Jesus. So moms, I encourage you, be a salty mom. Get your kids thirsty for Christ. We can be a part of hydrating our weak and confused and hurting family to let the living water come in and do the real work. All right, so moms, be the salt of the earth. You're to season your home. You're to hydrate your home. You're also called to sacrifice for your home. And you might be thinking, Megan, all I do is sacrifice all day long. I do this for them. I give of myself. I pour out of myself and I get it. I know you do and I hear you. But I wanna ask you, are you sacrificing for your kids? Are you sacrificing for the Lord? There's a big difference there. Did you know that the Israelites were commanded to include salt with their offerings? That there's a connection between salt and sacrifice. In Leviticus 2.13, it says, You shall season all your grain offerings with salt. You shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. Moms, parents, being salt in your home means offering yourself as a living sacrifice. Not to serve your kids, but to make an offering to the Lord so that he can use you to reach your kids. So who we are matters when it comes to what we offer the Lord in our parenting. And finally, a salty mom disciplines. And you know I can't get through a parenting message without talking about discipline. Um, but sometimes we need to get a little salty with our kids. And salt stings. You've all had a paper cut and you pick up a chip or something salty and it feels like you got your finger cut off. It hurts so bad. Sometimes salt stings. And that's okay because salt in a wound um, helps aid in the healing. That's why if you have a, a cut or a wound and someone says, you know, you're at the beach, oh, go in the salt water. The salt water will help because it disinfects and it hydrates and it helps in the healing process. There are actually more scriptural references to salt being used in judgment and warnings against destruction than anything else in the Bible. We don't like to often think about the destruction part of it, but our world is on the fast track to, to destruction and it is grabbing and pulling at our kids to take them down with it. But salt is not just used to preserve and save, it's to disinfect, to refine, to heal, to redirect, to discipline. And it doesn't always feel good, I get that, for you or your kids. Hebrews 12, 11 is, um, has always been my parenting life first. I go back to it again and again for encouragement and for um, to be challenged. And it says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful, right? Just like the salt in the wound, seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, praise God for the but later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So moms, I encourage you to get your salt on in your homes, that it's not too late to establish your parental authority in your home, that it sets an example to your kids of how to submit to the Lord because they see you doing that in obedience. When we discipline our children, we seek their holiness. It's like, it's like a course correction. You see where they're heading and you steer them away from destruction. That's what saltiness looks like to discipline your kids. 
Um, a few years ago, I got the chance to go speak to a mom's group down in South County. Um, and I just felt really burdened to share with them about um, the challenge that the Lord gives them and really to be empowered to discipline in their homes. That as a mom, that's, that is a calling. As a parent, that is a calling. And so I handed out every, to everyone these gold star stickers. They looked like a sheriff's badge. And I had all of them put one on and I said, wear this home and I want you to wait till your kids ask you, what is that that you're wearing? And I want you to tell them there's a new sheriff in town. And I want you to know that my boss is God and he's asked me to train you up so that later it will yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness in your life. That moms, maybe you need to hear that that is part of your calling, that you can be empowered to discipline your kids and instruct them and train them up in the way of the Lord. Because the scripture also says, uh, that it saves their soul. And that it says that the Lord disciplines those he loves. So I encourage you to um, be salt in your home in the way that you discipline your kids. Um, okay, so we really unpacked salt quite a bit. There's a lot to be said about salt. So be a salty mom. Uh, be a faithful presence in your home. Who you are really matters. But what you say matters too. Um, and this is, this is how you use your words. This is that prophetic presence in your home. This is the you are the light of the world command from Jesus or the, um, the calling that he has in your life. That what you say matters. And I uh, shared with our mom to mom group a few months ago about words and the power that words have. And I said over and over to them, words have the power to change minds. They have the power to change minds. Is it estimated that we each hear about 30,000 words a day? 30,000 words are coming in our ears that we have to process. There's a lot of power in those words to change minds, especially when it's the mind of our kids. So I encourage you to get in on those 30,000 words. Have your fill of that amount of words. Speak words of truth to your kids about who they are change their mind about who they are and whose they are. So the first thing I wanna share with you about being, excuse me, about being light to your kids is speak truth to them. The world is telling them what you do determines who you are, okay? The things you do, what you're good at, what you're bad at, that's your identity. Jesus takes that paradigm and he flips it completely upside down and he says, no, who you are determines what you do, who you are. So moms, I ask you this, do your kids know who they are and have you told them? Speak truth over them, tell your kids who they are. You are salt, you are light, you are forgiven, you were made on purpose, for a purpose. You can be light on your campus, to your friends, to your teammates, you can be light. You can become exactly who God created you to be. And from that comes the doing. That's the overflow. That's the fruit that comes from knowing who you are. So you speak, tr speak truth to them. You speak blessings over them. These are all of the promises of God that he has for us. These are, um, are when you recall with your kids those rocks of remembrance, those Ebenezer stones of who God is and what he's done in your life. 
that he can and he will, and you can count on it. You tell them what you see in them, just like what Jesus was sharing with his disciples. This is what I see in you that maybe nobody else sees. I see this in you. I see who you can become, and I'm going to help you in those efforts. Uh, A while back, I got a chance to go to a children's ministry conference with some of our staff here at ABC. And in the last um, message of the weekend, the conference speaker had us stand and turn to those that were next to us. Um, And so it might have been a stranger. It might have been someone who we had come with. And she just challenged us. I want you to speak a blessing over them. It might feel uncomfortable, but I just want you to take a second and pray, God, what do you want me to say over this person? Um, What does God want them to know? And so I turned into um, the gal that I ended up sharing a blessing over. She was a college student that um, did some intern work here. And uh, so I knew her a little bit, but not, I didn't know her super well and took a minute to pray. And I just really felt compelled that the Lord was asking me to say something to her. So I just let her know. I said, may you know that you were created unique for a reason. And God doesn't think that your uniqueness is weird like other people do. And that you were made on purpose. And I know that you might not feel like you're part of a family, but I want you to know that even though you're not part of my actual family, I consider you a family member and you are loved. And that was it. And we went on with our day and we circled up at the end of the day just to kind of debrief the conference. And she's not an emotional person. She doesn't really ever show her emotion. And she just broke down in tears. And she said, no one has ever told me um, that my uniqueness or being weird was a positive thing. It's only been negative. And I've always been criticized for it and looked down on it and unloved because of it. And I didn't know um, that it could be used for a good thing. And also, why do you love me? She said, I've been nothing but rude and grumpy to you guys. Why would you think I'm a part of your family? Somebody needs to hear that. Maybe someone in your family needs to know what God thinks of them, who he sees them to be and what they can become. So I encourage you to speak blessings over your kids and I encourage you to speak highly of them. Moms, brag on your kids. I could sit here for hours and tell you not just of the things that my kids do that make me proud, I could tell you about the things of who they are, their character. Brag on your kids when they're in earshot and when they're not. Let people know who your kids are. Okay, so moms, you are the salt. You're the light in your homes. You're faithful and a prophetic presence, but you're also called a city on a hill. And that's a very specific um, metaphor, I think, to use, for Jesus to use. Um, And so as I was thinking through what that meant, you know, aside from uh, it's your presence, it's where you are matters, right? Location matters. Um, But I kind of just ask you, close your eyes and picture a hill uh, with just a city on it, you know, some buildings, some houses, a city on a hill. Why would that be important? What's compelling about that? And I thought of three things. I thought, number one, it's visible. So moms, are you visible to your kids? When they look to you, is it you saying, hey, look this way, look at me, do what I do, say what I say, 
because there are distractions and the world is telling them, look at me, look at me every which way. Are you visible to your kids? Are you the one saying, look up here, look at me. I'm gonna help show you the way. Are you visible? A city on a hill is also accessible. Moms, are you accessible to your kids, whether they are small or grown? Sometimes I think that our accessibility to our kids matters more when they're grown. Are you accessible? And it doesn't mean that it's um, you drop everything at every moment and you're at your, your kid's beck and call. That's not what this means. It's the, um, the distractions of being anxious or I've got to get this done or I'm worried about this tomorrow. I have to plan this out. Matthew 6.34 says, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its trouble. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Be here and now. Are you available to your kids, accessible to them? Be all in right here, right now. I remember when Andrew was probably six or seven, and he was chatting with me about something that he was into. It was most likely either Legos or Nerf guns. And we were just uh, sort of like paralleling each other. I was mm -hmm, mm -hmm, every few seconds. Um, I was physically present with him, but I was not mentally present with him. And he, I remember he grabbed my face with his hands and he turned me towards him and he asked, mom, are you even listening to me? So moms, I ask you, are you available to your kids? Are you accessible to them? Be all in. And finally, a city on a hill is a place of refuge. It is just a safety net. It is a place for your kids to feel um, safe to fail, safe to feel, to celebrate, to hurt, to become. Is there um, that sense in your home where your kids can find refuge there? The world is not a safe place. <laughs> So create that space for your home. Uh, we have a shop on our property and it's full of tools and Christmas decorations and junk um, treasures, I mean, like all of you. And a couple of years ago, my husband and I just started dreaming about what it would look like to create a space on our property for our kids to wanna be at, to be present at. Um, and so now our shop is a game room. And so all of the tools are just smashed into a little carport and that's fine. For us, a little piece of being a city on a hill for our kids is that game room. We wanna create a space for our kids to be, a safe space for them to be and grow. So moms, momming is real hard. Whether you're a biological mom, stepmom, a grandmom, um, an adoptive mom, a spiritual mom, a mentor mom, you have a mom. All of it is hard. And in case you've never heard this truth said of you before, I want you to hear it today and to speak a blessing over you. Would you receive this blessing? Moms of ABC, may you know that you are seen. Just like Hagar in the wilderness, this desperate mom at her wit's end who cried out to God, and the only time in scripture that this name of God, El Royi, the God who sees is used, is with this mom who needed to be seen. And so moms, I want you to know that you are seen. That there, you are in your space and place for a reason. 
You were given your kids for a reason. And God has a plan for you and for your kids. Happy Mother's Day. Wow, thank you so much, Megan. Uh, man, what a fantastic perspective. Um, moms are the best, aren't they? What a gift. Um, God has uh, such a special plan in designing our family units. And um, man, I am just so thankful for a day, even just if it's a cultural day, for us to set aside just to think and talk about that. And so what a blessing. Uh, something came to mind as I was kind of reading through this passage. Um, there's a, a quote um, by Joseph Parker that he talks about um, the way that Jesus speaks to his disciples. And, and as we're talking about speaking to our kids, uh, let me just read this for you. It says, Jesus Christ comes to us and says, ye are the salt of the earth, says to a man who thought himself useless to the world. You are as pungent salt in the midst of a putrid age, or thou art as salt cast upon that which is already good to preserve it from decay. And then Jesus Christ adds, listen to this, you are the light of the world. He tells a man who never suspected himself of having any light at all, that it is in him to throw a circle of radiance around his family, his neighborhood, or may it be his country. You are the light of the world. What a beautiful way to talk to your kids. Just think about that. What a beautiful way to talk to your parents. Talk to your mom. You are the light of the world and it is in you to throw a circle of radiance around your neighborhood or your home or your workplace or your school. You can be the light to the world. You can be a faithful presence. You can be salt. You can be a city on a hill, a place of refuge. You can position yourself strategically. These are amazing words. What if we saw in others the thing that Jesus saw in us? What if we could speak up to them the way that he speaks up to us? And maybe even as parents in our most exacerbated moments, when we're at our wits end, we were able to see light in our kids, in others, to call it out, to say, I see light in you. That's who you are. They might just start believing it if we're able to see it that way. I realize as I'm kind of processing through this and even just reflecting on, on what Megan shared, um, it feels like a lot to keep together. And next week, um, I think it's, it's timely that Jesus would follow this passage with this whole other passage about following the law and, and embracing um, the law and really fulfilling the law is what he says he does. Um, so next week, come back. If you're feeling a, even a, a hint of pressure, I'm like, man, this is a lot to try to be or become, or yeah, I wanna be a good parent. I wanna be a good mom. I wanna be salt and be light and be a, you know, all these things. We're gonna, Jesus is gonna turn a corner real quick and basically give us this massive deep breath and allow for us to exhale and say, you can't be it all. Not without me, not without my presence, not without my strength. And so if you're feeling any hint of that pressure right now, if it's like, okay, yeah, these are all good things and I wanna pursue these things, then just take a, a, a deep breath and exhale and realize this is all possible in the presence of Christ. This is all possible by the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. But irrespective of, of where you sit this morning, whether you're a mom or a dad or a, a parent or a child or... Um, or just a friend or a roommate or whatever 
you find yourself um, calling yourself this morning on a Mother's Day message, can I just speak this blessing over you the way Jesus speaks the blessing to his disciples? Can I just speak prophetically to you for a minute? Can you just hear this? That you are the salt of the earth. That's who you are. You're faithful in him. That you are the light of the world. That's prophetic. You have in you the ability to cast a radiance of light, a circle of light around your home and your neighborhood and your school and your workplace. And you are a city on a hill. That's present. Wherever you find yourself, be all there. Season your world with faithfulness in your home. Speak truth over your world. Be present in your world. And Jesus concludes with this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. He says, in the same way, after saying all of those things, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Because all of this is not about drawing attention to ourselves or becoming something just so that we could feel better about who we are. All of this is for one reason and one reason alone, because you're gonna shine your light before men. You're gonna do your good work before others so that you could give glory to your Father in heaven. A faithful, prophetic presence. It demonstrates the goodness of God and it brings him glory. It tells others who they are, who they can be. It demonstrates character and it positions yourself right in the middle of the mess of our world to bring both of those things to a hurting and a thirsty world. Go be a faithful and a prophetic presence. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, we invite you to come back next week if you want to join us at one of our services um, or just tune back in on the, on the video. Um, we have a group, by the way, uh, this just came to mind. Um, a group that just began a few weeks ago, a group of parents that are getting together. And they're just basically saying, how can we figure this out together? Because parenting is hard. If you find yourself in that place, uh, maybe even after hearing this message, just going, man, I get it. I want to be a faithful, prophetic presence for my kids. Um, but man, it's hard. And I don't have all the tools I need or the resources or the support that I need. Um, maybe think about jumping into this group. I think they're meeting on Sunday nights. Don't quote me on it. Uh, but check in with our connections coordinator, Lori. Um, Lori Camp, you can email her, lori at abcchurch.org. Um, and she'll get you all the info you need. Um, but it's just a group of parents, kind of like-minded parents, just saying, how can we support, encourage, and pray for one another to continue being a faithful, prophetic presence for our kids and for our homes? Have a great Sunday. Happy Mother's Day. We'll see you next week.